0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen, you may be seated. Many of us who go off to seminary for ministry training, if not most of us, uh, go there thinking we already have all the answers for the church. I confess that I'm no exception. When I went off to seminary, I was pretty vocal about what I thought was wrong with the church and how it could all get fixed. I was vocal enough that one day, one of my fellow students, a seasoned veteran of youth and campus ministry, uh, before he had come to seminary, and and who was respected by everybody, invited me out to lunch. Now, I'm not sure this wasn't a setup, but my friend said, Hey, Reggie. If you could be in charge of the whole church and you could do whatever you wanted to fix this area of ministry that you care so much about, and you had all the resources that you could ever possibly want, what would you do? How would you fix it? And I started to jump in and give him, and then I realized, I don't know. Um, My bluff was called, and I walked away from that conversation going, Uh, I got a lot to learn. Maybe I should do more listening and less talking. I think whenever I come across this encounter between Jesus and Andrew, I think of that day when I just didn't have words. I, I love Jesus turning to Andrew and asking him, what do you want? john the baptist had been proclaiming jesus as the lamb of god who take away the sin of the world as the one who would bring the baptism of the holy spirit who was in fact son of god and the second day we're told in the story andrew and an unnamed friend hear john the baptist again say look Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so they start to follow him. And they're following along Jesus. And all of a sudden, I'm sure to their surprise, Jesus turns around and he asks, and it can be translated two different ways in different translations. Do it uh, either way. What do you want? What are you looking for? Jesus turns around and asks you, What do you want? What are you going to say? Well, whatever he was going to ask, whatever he's looking for, Andrew just says wisely, I just want to know where you're staying. Because where you are, that's where I want to be. And that simple request opens out onto an amazing life. You know, Andrew is thought to have founded the larger church that circulated from Byzantium, later Constantinople. He's thought to have ministered in Ukraine and Russia, and thus he's the patron saint of both of those churches. Tradition holds that Andrew was, was martyred by crucifixion, and again, by tradition, he didn't consider himself worthy of dying in the same manner as his master so he asked to be crucified on an x-shaped cross and thus his symbol on the shield uh, right behind the millers is this x that's the symbol of saint andrew also relics are supposed to have been carried to scotland or scotland in fact Legend has it that in A.D., in the year of our Lord, 832, the Picts and the Scots of the north were about to go into battle with the angles of the south. The day before, the Pict Scottish king saw an X-shaped cloud in the sky with a blue background. And he promised the Lord... That if they could defeat the Angles, he would make Andrew the Apostle, the patron saint of Scotland. And though greatly outnumbered, the northerners prevailed and, well, St. Andrew became the patron saint of Scotland. And Scotland's shield and flag with a white cross against a sky blue field rehearses the story. Could Andrew have foreseen any of this when Jesus turned and asked him, what are you looking for? What do you want? A life of following? Could he have foreseen then a life of becoming fisher of men till splayed out on a custom-made cross? Of traveling up into Ukraine and Russia, Of being claimed as patron of now warring nations, or speaking of Scotland, having the home of golf in Scotland named after him? Surely there are some golfers out there. All right. The rest of you will catch up. It's okay. All Andrew knew in the moment is that there was something about this Jesus that was irresistible. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, one who baptizes with the Spirit, very Son of God, one who could acquit Him of all wrongdoing, make Him a different and new person, and who as Son of God merits personal, lifelong loyalty. I can imagine that, that Andrew had lots of questions, just having heard John the Baptist teaching. Okay, how do you take away sin? And of the whole world? Okay, my name. My name is Greek, Andrew, and it means courage. How does this spirit enable me to live up to that ideal? How does the spirit give me Courage. And as you can tell from my Greek name, I have a heritage that's very acquainted with the gods having sons, all sorts of sons, some good, some bad. How exactly are you different, Jesus? Well, somehow, Andrew knew simply to fold up his list, if he had a list, and put it away. He instinctively knew that what mattered was to be where this Jesus was. Rabbi, where are you staying? Where do you abide? Implying where you are, that's where I want to be. Good answer. And then in fact, this little word stay or abide that, that, uh, that, that Andrew uses becomes one of the Apostle John's favorite themes between his gospel and his epistles John uses that word 67 times. It begins when the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus and abides there, remains there, stays with him. In this story after Jesus asks where do you abide or remain, that and that's where they go and they remain or abide with Jesus for the rest of the day. And Andrew winds up staying with Jesus, abiding with him throughout his ministry. And it all culminates in John chapter 15 in Jesus' promise to him and the rest of the disciples. Abide in me, remain in me, stay with me, and I in you, with you. Abide in me, remain in me, stay with me, and my words in you with you, abide, stay, remain in my love. We all face lots of stuff, and in everything we face, the first issue is inviting Him, Jesus, into that thing, not fixing it, not strategizing. Not fretting, no, asking Jesus, where are you in this? Asking him in, putting it in his hands. Asking him, Lord Jesus, where are you staying? Because that's where I want to be. Maybe you want me to start something big. Maybe you want me to lay out my arms on my own X-shaped cross. Maybe you want me to be patron of somebody's faith. Maybe you want me just to be. We all have things we'd like to see fixed. I know me, I know you. I know we all have questions we'd like to have answered. I know me, I know you. I got my list. I know you've got yours. The thing is, it's not like it's all going to get fixed right away. You know that, right? It's not like we're gonna get all we desire. It's not like we're gonna see that right is gonna prevail all the time, that we and those we love are gonna be free from suffering or harm. And it's not like stupid is gonna disappear anytime soon, unless the Lord decides to return and soon. Which brings me to an important sub point. The New Testament's perspective is that Jesus has, to use the language of my friend Richard Pratt, inaugurated God's kingdom by his life, his death, his resurrection, and ascension. He continues God's kingdom through the launching of mission and the building of the church, but he won't consummate the kingdom until sometime in the future. So we live between the times. During this time of the continuation of the kingdom, we are between the inauguration of the kingdom and the consummation of the kingdom. And in the meantime, we find ourselves living in these between times, living with lots of vile, nasty, horrible stuff. And some of that stuff's out there, and to be honest, some of it's in here. We live with a lot of messy, not yet. We live with broken bones and broken hearts. We live with sore losers and malevolent, we live with sore losers and malevolent tyrants. We live with pandemics and people whom pandemics make into fools. We live with liars who have microphones and there's the simple fact that, as Jesus says, our Father in heaven sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And who knows? A big oak may just fall on your roof. We live in a world, we live in a world in which stuff that simply stuff simply happens. And some stuff doesn't get an explanation. We don't get it. And we don't need it. What we need is Andrew's perspective. And that's my, that's my one real point for the day. What we need is Andrew's perspective. Every day, it's the first order of business. Rabbi, where are you abiding? Because that's where I want to be. Which is why morning prayer calls on us to begin with setting forth his praise and hearing his holy words so we can ask for ourselves And on behalf of others, those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. Every night, it's the last order of business. Rabbi, where are you staying? Because that's where I want to be so I can sleep. Which is why the service of Compline invites followers of Jesus who are wearied by the changes and chances of this life to rest in God's eternal changelessness. Just the other day, I was thinking about a tangle in my life. I have a really good life, but, you know, there are some tangles in it, and they're probably not unlike yours. But I was kind of in an Eeyore funk over the tangles. And I I had an epiphany point, a a manifestation, an, an insight I realized, Jesus, as much as I'd like you to fix these things, more than anything, I need you to be with me, to abide with me in these things. I need to know you are here, right here, right now. Take anything, take anything and drop it in that bucket. Lord, as much as I'd like you to stop the missiles from raining down, I've been teaching for the last week and a half in Jacksonville with students from around the world and several of them are from the Ukraine. And it's just possible not to be with them and just be burdened by what's going on there. Lord, as much as I'd like you to stop the missiles from raining down, more than that, I need need to know that you abide with the people upon whom they are reigning. I need to know that you are there with them, right there with them. And they need to know that too. This uh, fall, it will be 50 years since I went off to seminary for a ministry training. And I got to tell you, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm with Bono and you too. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But with you, I'm not going to stop looking. Because I know he abides with you and with me and with us. You and I don't have all the answers. We don't need all the answers. We need to be where Jesus is. He'll unfold the answers in his own time and in his own way. We don't need to fix everything. We can't fix everything, but we can be where Jesus is in prayer and in the word, in the sacraments, in the fellowship of one another, and in the giving of a cup of cold water. Jesus just may give us a part in his fixes. He may just ask us to wait and watch with him. With him. So when he asks you, friends, what are you looking for? What do you want? I pray your answer is as sage as Andrew's. Rabbi, where you are, That's where I want to be. And that'll be good enough for me. Amen? Amen.